Hello and welcome to the movie download. I am QC. And I'm Big Jade. Coming at you from Spokane, Washington. Woo! And Big Jade was closing his eyes. I think he was meditating or something. I don't really know. (laughs) I was um, taking it all in. Taking it all in. And we're here today to talk about film in general. And right now, of course, we're doing the 75 greatest horror films of all time in no particular order from 75 to 21. And then, of course, we will be doing 20 through 1 in order order we're tarantino and that's important for you to know though well like you don't want to get people confused (laughs) so there could be spoilers there are spoilers and there is potential for some salty language because we know the qc just can't keep it clean (laughs) oh i can't keep it clean And then, uh, what else do we got going on? So, viewer discretion is advised. Yeah, keep your small children's ears closed. Hide your wife. Hide your wife. Hide your children. That's kind of sexist, isn't it? Hide your husband, hide your wife, hide your children. That's forever and a day old. That's forever and a day old. Okay, so we're going to be discussing number 59 on our list, which is, drumroll please. The Omen. The Omen, which is from 1976, directed by Richard Donner, written by David Seltzer, starring Gregory Peck, Lee Riminick, Billy Whitelaw, David Warner, and then Har- uh, Harvey Stevens, who plays little Damien. It's a classic. It is. Well, it's considered a classic, but we're, it's 59, which is kind of low for a classic. So I guess a little background on the film. Um... 20th Century of Fox released it, and I think they were absolutely, I mean, the, in the 70s, I think, honestly, and if you, when you get to some of the higher things in the list, I think the 70s was the best time for horror films in general. I think they had the most to say, they had the most, um, the best directors working on it. Um, it really was a time for, and all different types of horror films. It wasn't just, you know slasher films or ghost stories or you know haunted house it was everything they did everything in the 70s and i think that's really important to remember (laughs) but the omen is absolutely a response 20th century's response to the exorcist Mm. i don't really see how it could be anything else and even rosemary's baby from roman polanski um so the movie made uh was made on somewhat cheaper side of things um, I want to see the budget. I have it right here. Hold on. The budget for the film was only $2.8 million. Um, now, granted, this is 1976. I'm sure for adjusted, uh, if we were to adjust that, it would be a little bit higher. And then it ended up making $60.9 million purely in domestic box office. Um, we don't have an international total for it, so... Um, but adjusted, that's $261 million. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. It was a very intriguing film, and I'm sure that it, um, at the time, I'm sure it was reviewed well. And... It was, yeah. It's considered a classic. Um, it, it has an 86% Rotten Tomatoes and a 62 at Metacritic, which is considered generally favorable. Um, so a little bit about m- my feelings on The Omen. I do think if we're talking about films that deal with demon possession and, you know satanic things i think comparatively to the exorcist and rosemary's baby the omen is the weakest of those three it's also the last of those three really the three big ones that are considered classics there were more but i think those are the three that are considered classic films um i think it's the silliest of the three of them 
which is why. I mean, you know, when we get some more, a little more in the plot and discussion, but I do think The Omen still works. I think it's a good film, and I do think there's a reason why it's regarded in some circles as a classic. I know a lot of people make fun of the film, and I don't think that remake that came out in 2006 did any favors for it. <laughs> um, it's pretty... If you haven't seen it, the remake is like a shot-by-shot remake, very similar to what Gus Van Sant did. Um, sorry about that. That was my phone, guys. Uh, very similar to what Gus Van Sant did to Psycho, and you just realize, why do we need a shot-by-shot remake of anything? And there's actually a few horror films on this list that have had remakes that are very shot-by-shot similar, and some of them are better than others, but again, what's the point if you're going to do a shot-by-shot remake? And The Omen, the new one, is almost shot-by-shot. Like, there's maybe three or four scenes that are a tad different. <clears throat> um, I do think, though, The Omen still works. And I do think it's an interesting film. It's definitely not boring. Were you bored by it? Because you just saw it. Just literally. Oh, no. Um, no, it was definitely an engaging film. And I think it was a lot less gory than I anticipated. I mean, we just watched gore. We just kind of watched a gore. Uh, With the Devil's Rejects. Yeah, the Devil's Rejects was definitely like a gore whore. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gore whore. Gore whore. Oh, my God. <laughs> gore whore. <laughs> Uh, no, it's definitely not. I mean, there is moments of violence. Actually, compared to Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist, The Omen is actually quite a bit more violent than those two films, although people consider um, The Exorcist incredibly violent. Mm. Um, but that's because I think of what the movie does. And yeah, this one just had... Yeah, I don't know. Did just, this one had, I mean... Well, I mean, with the head getting decapitated by the glass window, and the pole going through the priest. I mean, there are definitely scenes of violence. It's not that it's not, but I agree with you. It's actually a lot of, there's not a lot of bloodletting, even the decapitation. You know, there's no blood everywhere. No. Um, Not that I have an issue with gore. I actually, you know, I don't. I think as long as it's used properly, or it's like used in some artistic way, I'm fine with it. Really, truthfully, I don't really mind. In a horror film, it's a horror film. You're watching a movie that ha- is probably going to contain violence and is probably going to contain uncomfortable subject matter to an extent. It is the definition. I mean, Mark Kermode recently said, I may not recently said, but said a while ago, that going, a, going to a horror movie that works properly is an act of, there's you know, sadomasochistic masochism. You're watching pain at a different so you can reach a different level proper horror movies should do that while the other ones that are not good that don't have that are more sadistic you're watching it to watch people suffer so there is a difference in the film so let's get a little bit into the omen i mean the, the plot is basically about gregory peck is a political ambassador who's working in europe at the time he's working in italy and his wife is very, very gorgeous, Lee Remenick, who plays Catherine Thorne. And they've just had a baby, but uh, the priest tells them the baby has died. The wife does not know, because she is knocked out during childbirth. But they have another child whose mother died, who, you know, they could take, and the wife would never know. And that's the, you know, because Gregory Peck states that it would kill her, and then they adopt him and name him Damien. <laughs> Um, and they have a wonderful time together. And then they move to London because he's been given a different position. And they get a beautiful house in the countryside. Really stunningly gorgeous. Uh, old, I want to say like probably 17th century, 18th century farm oh, yeah. home. Um, 
Very stately home. Yeah. And so they move there, and, you know, they, they're having a, a very idyllic family life. And then things change on his fifth birthday. The child. There's something wrong with the child. <laughs> if you want to watch great trailers, watch trailers from the 70s movie, from the 70s, um, because they were so much more ridiculous, especially for horror movies, and The Omen is up there. The Exorcist is another one. Suspiria's the trailer is kind of hysterical, um, but the Omen definitely. There were those that would kill for him. There were those that will die for him. <laughs> you know, it's just very boom, and it has the music and everything. Um, anyway, so the the scene where the nanny kills herself in the very like first 15, 20 minutes. That's a little shocking. I think is one of the best scenes of the film and I think it's one of the times where the silliness doesn't get in the way um you know she's she's she, you know the mom like kind of scoots her away and you know takes her son and she's she gets this weird look and then sees this Rottweiler because Rottweilers of course are the sign of the devil and <laughs> that's what the poor Rottweilers although I guess actually did you get a rat from this film <laughs> actually I guess Rottweilers like the owning them I guess went up after this movie hmm Weird. Just like in Jaws. I They're guess. protectors. I guess, you know, I actually just read this at Jaws, speaking of which, just off the cuff, uh, the guy who wrote Jaws, Peter Blatley, the, the novel, that's when it was turned into the movie, started protecting sharks more afterwards because people started to kill them after they saw Jaws. Cause it was so, <laughs> so I guess it's having the opposite effect. But anyways, um, and then she, she goes up to the top window and she's like, Damien, look at me. Look at me, Damien. And then you know, all the kids you. are having like this carnival thing. And she's like, it's all for you. And mm-hmm. then she jumps and there's rope. just hangs herself and then smashed in the glass. Then it falls. And it's beautifully directed by Richard Donner. Mm-hmm. Really, really is. I mean, just stunningly shot. And you see, and everyone has horrified reactions. You know, naturally. <laughs> they just watch someone kill themselves. Um, and we, it's not really explained. Um... And then, you know, Damien doesn't really know how to react to it. And then he sees the dog and he kind of waves at the little Rottweiler. He's like, oh, it's my friend because Damien's the devil. I will say the movie just... You figure that out pretty darn quick. I don't even think the movie tries to hide it all that well. This is definitely not an ambiguous film or even subtle in that way. Like, they do not really try to hide that Damien is the son of the Antichrist. They may be like... But they string you along like you don't know a little bit, mm-hmm. which I do think is some of the weaknesses. But I think some of the strengths of the film, and really why the film still works today, are the performances, the direction, and the the, uh, the score. Hmm. Those are the That's three. a beautiful score. Yeah. Well, I guess well let's discuss score because in my opinion, a third of a good horror movie is should be based on score. And Jerry Goldsmith's score for this movie is so over the top with the violins and the Latin choir, the piano, the synthesizer, the organs. It's it's just like a crescendo. It's like going to like a very old church and listening to this weird church music mixed with film music, mixed with gothic. You I know. think it was appropriate. I think it works. Yeah, no, it does work. It really does. Um... So, it, no, it really does work. And I think it's a really, it's well executed, truthfully. But I just, I like how over the top it is. I mean, we are talking about the son of the devil here. So I do like that there's like a very religious undertone to the whole thing. With the Latin, you know, 
with the Latin, uh, the people singing in Latin. Um, so I really, really enjoyed that a lot. So I just wanted to make sure. I, Jerry Goldsmith won an Oscar for this. It's his only Oscar. He's been nominated multiple. He was nominated multiple times. And he actually didn't show up because he thought he was going to lose. Mm. Um, this is the only Oscar that the Owen won. So little known fact. So the score is fantastic, and I really think it helps sells the film, especially when we get into some of the sillier moments of the movie, which I will discuss in a minute. Um, the direction by Richard Donner, I think, is really, really great. There's an amazing scene in the film where Lee Riminick is in the hospital getting ready to go. Her husband tells her she's got to pick her up. And she's trying to get this, like, hospital... No, they're trying... She's trying... He's she, trying to get her out, out of there. Out of there. He's trying to get her out of there because he knows something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And he, she's pulling this sheet over her face and she she thinks someone's there and she's like... And she, it was, must have been the friend who he sent to pick her up. She's like, is that you, darling? And then she turns around and this, it's like a um, transparent, like, screen that's over her eyes and all of a sudden her eyes go from, like, like smaller, beautiful, like, concerned... Oh all widened and terrified and the way he shoots it with the, the lighting and the black around her and the bright eyes and those blue and then we see the sinister blue eyes of Mrs. Blaylock who is clearly not there to just you know see how she's doing mm-hmm. is such so great and then we see what happens afterwards when she gets pushed out the window and falls into the ambulance mm-hmm. and Crump rushes completely through the ambulance which what is that car made out of if she went all the way through it like tinfoil or something because <laughs> she goes through the thing all the way to the bottom and it's a great scene and it's just well directed that's just an example of I think the, the, his direction style that works really well and then the other thing are the performances I mean Gregory Peck is one of the he, you know he's one of definitely the uh, classic actor from the old Hollywood era hmm. and Gregory Peck you know, not the most... He was a great actor in some ways and maybe not in others. Like, he really couldn't play everything. He was not the most versatile actor. But what he had an innate gift for was making you always be on his side. He had a sweetness to him, um, a sincerity and intellectualism that you just immediately respond to and someone you'd want to talk to and hang out with um i mean he was amazing as to to kill a mockingbird and he's i think of him when i read kill a mockingbird now i think of him as atticus finch as the father because he was that good he's incredibly handsome you know with those dark eyebrows and that dark hair and i mean just very it's very kind of tall dark and handsome that whole idea um he's just you just are immediately on his side and i think that's something that he ought to always had as an actor and you were completely convinced that he could be a politician and someone who's well-loved and revered and respected by his peers and his community. The way he carried himself and acted, you would believe that. Yeah. 100%. I mean, it's he just had that naturally. And on the other hand, Lee Riminick is gorgeous and stunning and sweet and kind. And you just get this idea that she's a wonderful woman who did, who's done months, months of charity work, even though they never tell you these things. You just immediately assume that way. She's this wife of a politician who, you know, want, thinks her husband will be president one day. Or he, as he humorously tells her, I think you're a little too sexy for the White House. <laughs> <laughs> Although nowadays that'd probably be okay. <laughs> but this was in the 70s, let's remember. <laughs> Um, cause she was, she was, she was, but she was, what she does so well is that 
the when she begins to fear Damien, because at the beginning of the film, she loves Damien. Damien is the light of her life, her only son, her only child. And it was very difficult for her to conceive as she had well, multiple Yeah, but that was all that she wanted, you know. So that's when, when she lost the baby upon delivery. That's, I mean, the big thing is that she became immediately attached to him. She adored him. Right. And all those things with, um, you know, and then when she starts to realize that maybe there's something not right with her son, I love the guilt and I love how she sells it. That she doesn't like him and she fears him, but she feels as a mother, that's wrong. And that she was fearful to even tell her husband some of the thoughts, you know, like she thought she needed to go see some a psychiatrist, but she didn't want to even tell her husband what she was thinking. Yeah, so. yeah I mean, and then the abortion discussion, which is shocking in 1976, that mm. she finally tells them, I want to have an abortion, I don't want to be a mother. Well, she gets pregnant again. Right, and then, you know, there was this whole thing that his wife will never have a child, and if she does, she'll lose it, and it's just very, very... It's it's convincing. She convinces a hundred percent of the time, hundred percent, and she sells her character as a mother torn about her conflicting feelings about her son, and she knows Damien's evil, but she still can't do it herself. Mm. And then the last performance that really sells it to me is Billy Whitelaw, who plays the Irish nanny cold. Uh, Mrs. Blaylock, which originally she was written as very like kind of bubbly and sweet, and, mm-hmm. and Billy decided to play her differently. And I actually enjoyed the way she played her, even though it's so obvious she's evil from the beginning. Mm. I still enjoyed it because there was something about her that felt more. <clears throat> These are very powerful people, and she makes a lot of power moves in the film to kind of separate them a little bit. She does to intentionally block Damien from 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 her parent from his mm-hmm. parents, yeah. And what I think really works about that is that I believe that she could do that. That she could she could outplay these people a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you've got to think this is a high-powered couple. Um, she spends a lot of time out of the house, obviously, doing something. Because they have a full-time live-in nanny. Yeah, and a staff. Um, and a staff. And a staff member. You know, so you can think, you know, there's a little bit of disconnect between uh, Damien and his mother um, as far as... Like time spent together, so yeah, she could definitely wedge. Oh yeah, she could definitely wedge a divide and a divide in there. A hundred percent, and she's not. Yeah, and I just you believe that. I think if she was nice, I don't know if I'd buy that she could wedge them because yeah, Kathy Catherine Thorne, Lee Brimnick's character, is not a weak woman, and we find that very quickly in the beginning when they go to the huh, when they go to the church, and she, they kind of have a very passive aggressive argument over whether her son's going to church. So, okay, let's talk about, I guess, what works. Now we talked about a lot about what works. What didn't work for you, Big J, about The Omen, if anything at all, for you? I have a couple of things, but I'm curious. I don't know. <laughs> what didn't work in The Omen for me? Did you um, think it was scary? I mean, I, I wasn't as shocked by some of the... The scariness, but there's definitely a level of fright in I, incorporated into it. I agree. I think predictability is a strong word to use for. I mean, it, it was seems, a little predictable. I mean, I, I miss the Catherine Thorne dying. Uh, that is a bit shocking when Lee Remnick gets shoved out a window, and we still have forty minutes left to go with the film. Yeah, that's that that's definitely <laughs> interesting. Is there anything else that really 
or did you really enjoy it? You could really enjoy it. I, for the most part, I did enjoy it. I thought it was a good. I thought it was a well put together film. Well, that's great. I mean, and see, that's one of the great things. I think audiences did too. I think audiences probably enjoy the Omen a little more than The Exorcist and a little more than Rosemary's Baby. Because even though it doesn't end on a completely happy note, it's definitely something that a lot of people, I think, can relate to. It's the most, out of those three films, I think it's the most commercial. Here are my issues with it. There's the most closure in it. Yeah, there's the most closure. He he definitely digs through and finds more information about these people who've been, you know, in and out of his life. Absolutely. So... my issues with it are the fact that I don't know if it's very well written. Actually, I know it's not very well written. It, it's incredibly silly. Um, to me, it's like a very good, it's like a very good B movie. It's kind of trash. The idea is totally ridiculous. But because it's, but it's dressed up in, with great direction, great score, great acting, and it kind of elevates what the film really is. I mean, generally, I'm not a fan of the whole demon child subgenre of horror because pretty much you can see where it's going from like step eight you know frame one to frame 12 to frame 300 it is going to end a very specific way usually and there might be slight twists and variations but we know it's going to happen the mom the son the mom the son or slash daughter is going to turn on one of the parents the other parents doesn't believe that parent then that parent's severely injured then that parent starts to believe that parent and so (laughs) on and so forth and and then they're like, are they evil, really? It's always about this idea of, you know, disbelieving, making people sound silly, because it's a child. Not that that isn't probably what would happen, but there needs to be a more interesting way of selling it. I don't really think The Omen does that. However, The Omen was one of the first, so maybe, you know, give it a little credit. The other thing is, I don't think The Omen is that important. When we talk about great horror, I want to, <laughs> you know... <laughs> It needs to be a little bit more than just, oh, I would like to have see a message behind it or something, some political subtext. To me, there is, I mean, the fact that these two are politicians and there's like legitimately no political subject. I guess that is true. There's no. Very odd. Um, There was no influence on. Like Gregory Peck, so at the end of the film, you know, Gregory Peck is convinced that Damien is Satan. Well, we know Damien is the Antichrist. And he gets these, like, weird, like, knives from somewhere in, like, Turkey or something. I don't remember. Somewhere out there. Anyways, somewhere in Eastern Europe. To kill the devil. To kill the devil. The Antichrist. Damien! And he goes to a church and he's about to stab him. And clearly he gets killed by the cops because Damien's still alive. But they still get a very nice proper burial and they just covered it up. That's never explained. Didn't he try to kill a child? I guarantee you he would be buried somewhere, like... He would not. He's like. So I'm gonna vote that they downplayed the whole story because he was a politician. Probably, but so, that would have been interesting to at least have him know a little bit of that. Have too much. I'm people. sure. I'm sure that there was downplaying of the whole story so that he could be buried with honor. Right. So. So and the other issue is, I mean, the Omen is played pretty seriously, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But the Omen is pretty campy. That music. it's like spelling out what juice think it is a little like i can imagine drag queens reenacting the i like a movie that points me in which direction we're going (laughs) i don't i don't need any surprises 
The the music was doing the, the, the steering and it was teaching us where we were gonna go yeah, that, with our emotions. Listen, the music's fantastic, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with music. I'm just saying, it's for such a campy film, it does take itself a little bit seriously. Now, I don't want to. Doesn't that make it campy though? Yeah, like, but it, but if you're if you're gonna go to a certain level of camp, I would like to see it a little more knowingly and you know, like a little wink with it. And the only actor who I think is really doing that is the photographer played by David Warner. I think who's dressed kind of effeminately and kind of like with his scarves. And he is kind of like just... He is not doing... There's some silliness with it. Um, like I said, I still think the... I think it's funnier, though, when they take themselves too seriously and then it just becomes a little campy because... But the acting is really Because good. the film ends up being a little over the top. I agree with you, but the acting is so good by the other people who are taking it, you know, seriously. Seriously, I do yeah. think it's a little bit of a tonal... It's jarring tonally. I, a little bit. I still think the omen is successful. I still think it looks beautiful. It looks amazing. It's shot spectacularly throughout the way the score is amazing and it definitely I mean yes it's silly and campy but it, it you feel the crescendo of hell through most of it and the, like I said the performances especially by the top the three main people in the film you know um, and that little boy is creepy Harvey Stevens I mean he's mm-hmm. not over I like that they didn't make him overly demon looking because otherwise like they did in the remake where the kid was like super pale and jet black hair and like he, he looked ridiculous. He looked like he belonged, like some Hot Topic store or something. It was mm-hmm. bad. Um, they didn't overdo it, so I think that was really intelligent. And there are individual scenes that are... The baboon scene is really creepy in the zoo. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's where she really starts getting freaked out about... Yeah, and then the... Uh, this, <laughs> the but what I mean by campy is, for example, I can give you an exa- a specific example that's campy in the film. Gregory Patrick, of course, goes to cut off his child's hair to see the birthmark of the 666 law. Uh, you know, because that's the sign of the devil. And which I know people, when, like, they ring up things that cost 666, can you charge me a cent more? Like, are still superstitious of that number to this day. Oh, there's many people that are superstitious of that number. Anyways, um, I was born 616, so luckily I wasn't born at 6 a.m. Uh, anyways. <laughs> Don't worry, my ear. I married the devil. Yeah, the devil. <laughs> um, well, I mean, if you looked at them. Oh, so then Billy Whitelaw, the Mrs. Blaylaw character, comes to fight Gregory Pratt, Mr. Thorne, uh, Robert Thorne, and they have this like drag out fight where they're fighting each other and battling each other, and there's scissors involved, and it's a little silly. <laughs> and then. You know, he, like, stabs her with, like, a turkey fork. <laughs> it's a little, like, ah, bah, bah. That is, yeah, it is But it's fun. I enjoyed it. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I just am saying is when you see that and you see some of the other scenes in the film and then that his mom is a jackal. I mean, a jackal. Mm-hmm. A jackal. Mm-hmm. That was a little thing. So, overall, though, I do enjoy The Omen a lot. And like I said, I do think there's, I don't think it's as... What I think is, it's a classic film because a lot of people believe it's classic. I think it's not quite, doesn't deserve that status as much as maybe The Exorcist or... It's classic because it's old. That doesn't make it classic, though. Classic needs to be good. It's still good, I just don't think it, it reaches the upper echelons, if that makes sense. 
Man, I guess it could be a Dodge Dart. You know, it's a, it's a soul a doesn't mean it's a good car. Dodge. <laughs> no, it's more like a. It's more like you know. It's like the difference between getting like a Cadillac and a Buick. Mm. Both mm. are comfortable, but come on, isn't the Cadillac nicer? <laughs> you know, so. I guess. So. All right. What's the most for you, Big J? What was your most memorable scene in the film? Um. Well, I mean, I. I some of the pieces where the O-Man and the, the photographer is, like, uh, you know, leading him on that, the discovery mission, I guess is a little bit, um, I kind of like that a little bit. But. So you like that whole subplot, essentially? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like his mission of discovery and looking for answers. Most horrific scene in the film. Um, Probably the most horrific scene is probably the mother getting pushed out of the hospital window just because of, I... Well, you don't expect her to die, like, I didn't at all. quite expect her to die. I mean, it would tie with probably the guy getting his head, <sighs> getting decapitated by the glass. No, that was actually really cool. That was, yeah, kind of interesting, though. And I was still like, wait, how do well, we end up at this spot? <laughs> yeah, no, it was very... It almost, like, pre... I wonder if, like, Final Destination, a lot of the kills are kind of Final Destination-y. <laughs> and I wonder if Final... Because, you know, it's all accidental. <laughs> um, my most memorable scene is when Lee Riminick is watering her flowers and Damien is on his little tricycle. Very reminiscent of The Shining a little bit. Although this movie came before The Shining, so it's good. And he knocks her out. And mm. she's falling. And the way it's shot, and I know it's because she wouldn't do this stunt. Um, and also a well-known fact, before I finish this, uh, I'll tell well, maybe I'll finish this and I'll tell you a little fun fact. Uh, the way it's shot, it's almost dreamlike. And, you know, when she falls, and, ah, uh, it's, it's perfect. And then, like, you see, like, certain things falling on the ground, so you understand how far... It, I liked that. You see the fishbowl falling The fishbowl, that's what So was. you know it's gonna... What it's gonna do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. And then Damien doesn't... He doesn't really... You don't know. Like, Damien kind of doesn't really try to help her, but he also... You don't know if he really tried to hurt her either. It's kind of weird. Um, it's a great scene. The yeah, I also too- wonder if he was, like, encouraged by the... Mm-hmm. Well, she let him play around in the room, and mm-hmm. then she all of a sudden opens the door. Oh, weird. Door like, opens. Like, of hell. Yeah. Um, the most horrific scene for me is definitely the scene with the priest. That's, to me, the most... Like, the wind, all of a sudden, the storm comes in out of nowhere. Again, can't be. Um, well, that's a godlike Yes, it's very thing. godlike. Yeah, I, uh, maybe I'm just not the most religious human being on the planet. <laughs> but anyways, and he's like... God always responds with a storm. You should know this in every film that has God. Satan. It's Satan, not a storm. It's Satan. Well, God is fighting Satan. Right. Yeah, there we go. So they're fighting, and there's this big storm thing, and then all of a sudden, and the music is getting louder and louder, and the leaves are blowing, and the priest is like, ugh. No. And then all of a sudden, boom, he gets impaled by something from a church. I want to say like a spike from a church. Yeah, I was like shocked or something. It like came off and, the church. And he gets impaled with it. Um, that is very... I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, oh, they just killed a priest. Yeah, and then the picture kind of goes to a... Yeah, and then he's just like, <laughs> terrible way. What a terrible way to die. Um, all right, a little fun fact, though. Gregory Peck... Um, when he had to make them reshoot all of his scenes because he was 60 when he shot this movie so that it didn't look like he had a double chin so any scene where you saw his double chin he made him reshoot it it's very old Hollywood like diva like I have to look the you know they always do, so. can't look uh, can't look fat at all fat or old older or, mm-hmm, so. oh my goodness The Omen number 59 well, I guess they didn't have the airbrushing technology no. so The Omen's number 59 
Uh, next week we'll be talking about a very recent film that came out only on the 8th or 7th of June of this year, and that is Hereditary. Do you know your family roots? Do you know your family roots? Uh, yeah, we're, we have deep roots. Deep. <laughs> we're tall people. We're deep roots. Can't blow over in the wind. Uh, so, uh, tune what's your, in. What's your star rating before we go? Oh, yeah, star rating. Okay, I give it three and a half stars. I actually fully recommend this movie. Because I think that it's great. And it's a classic. <laughs> even though you it may be did. a Dodge Dart. <laughs> it's it's a, still a classic. <laughs> and I give it three stars out of four. So I still recommend it. I really do. And I think people should go see it. So, um, this is a good time, and it's definitely, like, it would be a great film to introduce, I think, people to horror, too, because I think it's definitely a good, solid introduction to horror. So I think this would be an, this is like a, like one of those movies where you go, oh, you don't really, well, I've never really seen a lot of horror movies. This would be a good introduction film to them, I think. Great. Yeah, yeah. And then you show them something like The Conjuring. You don't start that way. (laughs) Build, build to it. Um... (laughs) So, all right. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to the movie download. I'm QC. And I'm Big J. Signing off. Bye.